Welcome, everyone. Episode 46 of the Health and Wealth Podcast. Very excited today to be joined by the SVP of FFL Ascent, Mr. Sean Barnes up in Merritt Island, Florida. What is going on, brother? What's up, bro? Thanks for having me on, man. I'm excited. We're going. I love this stuff. Fired up, brother. So it, it's been great to get to know you, see you know some of your, your journey here. So I love to, one, talk about people's logos first. So you are FFL Ascent. You have a very, very cool logo. What was the, uh, the genesis of choosing that logo? I appreciate that, man. So I, I wanted something that kind of had like a subliminal meaning to it. You know, it wasn't just real plain. And so I actually live uh, three miles from Kennedy Space Center. And I'm not really huge into the whole space stuff, although it is cool. But what I wanted something that that was going to represent growth. And so I felt like that made sense. And so actually the middle of my logo has an arrow. It's kind of hidden in there, but it, it just kind of all plays into the trajectory that I wanted to do. And I, me and my wife told, told each other we needed two years, two solid years, and, and we would just go all out. And, I, and that just kind of made sense for us. I love that. And now that you had mentioned that, we'll, we'll get into that real fast. So, so you have a great support system, a great wife. Um, she's been on board with you the entire time on this journey that you're on at FFL. Yes. So she really got on board at a bigger level at convention of 2021. She came for the last day. It was in Orlando. And that's when she saw not necessarily the sales side because she knew she knew all that. She knew the money was there, but it was more of the culture of family first life. And then obviously seeing all of those people get up there with red jackets that she knew uh, I, I just belonged up there. So her belief level in this system was probably higher faster than mine was. Obviously, I was the one out there having to sell, but she believed I could do this long before I did. Wow, that's incredible. Now, is she kind of working in the business, you know, doing some stuff with you, or is she separate with her own gig? So she's separate now. She actually is going to be teaching at the school um, that our church runs and things like that. But we've gone in phases where she's been heavily involved. I do try to get her to as many meetings that I go to as possible. Yeah, that's good. Um, that's just something that I enjoy doing. Yeah, it's so valuable. I mean, if you look at the, the, uh, the power groups in FFL, whether – the spouse is involved or not, they are one way or another, you know, like for me, you know, Margot was very involved and now home with the kids, but still involved. I, I call her the director of operations because so, she can kind of oversee everything and make sure I'm doing the right thing. Um, <laughs> so it's, it, but if you look at that, that structure is huge because this is a tough business, but if you have people in your corner, specifically your spouse, it's a game changer. Would you agree? Oh, 100%. Nothing worse than you, you, you know you have to go work for 10, 12 hours in the field and you feel bad because your wife doesn't support what you're doing. And you have to be on that same page. You obviously always feel a little bit guilty. You know, you have to leave in those long days and you know it's a sacrifice and maybe your kids don't understand. 
but you don't want to go home and then have your wife also compound that. Yeah. And so she's been super supportive of this. Obviously it's helped financially. And so she's got a lot of reasons there to support what we're doing, but just the sacrifice on her end of keeping the fort in place while I'm out hustling and trying to build this business has been really, really valuable for us. That's huge. So let's go back to when you were a young man. Um, you did not grow up with an entrepreneurial background. Was there anybody in your family that was an entrepreneur? So my, my grandfather was an accountant and started his own, his own business. So I guess you could say that it's really weird. I didn't have besides him who I'm very close to to this day. Neither of my parents were very entrepreneurial, but I, I, I had that bug from somewhere from an early age. I always I mean, as soon as I became an adult and could work, you know, I did sales. I started my own business doing lawn care. Um, I've sold everything. So I don't know where I get it from, but I've always had it. But no one really in my family has much of that background. Yeah, it's incredible. So so it's funny. A lot of people, I hear the same thing where it's like you kind of know that you, you're, you're meant for something more and something different. You know, like let's face facts. The entrepreneur is cut from a different cloth. You know, they think mm -hmm. differently. They're probably what you'd call the minority in the in the way of, of thinking. So when you were growing up and getting into to school, what were you kind of going for? What was your major? Like, what were, what were your goals then, you know, going into college? You know, dude, I was a wild child. I was, <laughs> no. I was trouble growing up, man. <laughs> Believe it or not, dude, they, they booted me from preschool. <laughs> and uh, in fourth grade, man, twice in elementary school, they could not handle me. And so even as an employee, I, I'm, I'm a hard employee man to manage and so um actually going from high school into college my my life's dream and ambition at the time was to actually be a missionary um i, I went to school to study uh, uh ministry and my major was was world mission so i had planned to graduate and actually go to africa and obviously life took me in a different direction but that was my life's ambition now with church and things like that with our outreach programs we did a lot of door-to-door -door, which in a more secular context is basically sales you know where we had to learn to from an early age 10 12 years old learn how to talk with strangers at their door and in a way you can kind of relate it to sell a product you know or sell what we believe in and so then when i got into college i mean the sales jobs were just galore because they had access to hundreds of, of students who all knew how to talk with people. So door-to-door -door sales, it, we were just taking the highest bidder. So that's kind of how I got into sales. Wow, that's awesome. So you had, I know you mentioned earlier, you had done uh, pest control prior to this. Did you do a sales prior to pest control? Man, I've sold everything. Um, I've sold trash, trash <laughs> service, I sold uh, cable. I did pest control, newspapers, um, man, we, we were just, uh, lawn care was, was one I did for a while, but I was in pest control for about five years prior to this and I actually really liked it. And, and I think looking back that really prepped me for what we do from a mindset standpoint, because I did start taking the approach in that gig that I was helping people, mm. you know, no one likes bugs. Right. <laughs> and so you go into their house and they have rodents or bed bugs they're freaking out and i always loved 
have helping them with the satisfactory job and, and fixing that problem lawn care cable those type things uh you know I, I didn't go home and sleep well at night you know helping everyone get comcast or, or cable <laughs> rather because they didn't always need it but that industry I, I really enjoyed the process and and the results and so when i came here i knew i would love it because i was fulfilling the same purpose yeah. to a degree now in the in the pest control field is there a lead system or it's just you're you're just knocking doors so so there's a little bit of both um i had leads but i never had to purchase leads so okay. they were kind of given to me and so those were always nice because you know you kind of went to the field what what got me in trouble when i was a w-2 employee in sales was i didn't manage my time well and i'm still not great at it now so i have to have a lot of help with that but we would get leads and if there was a shortage of leads we kind of had to go door knock or we had to go work our book of business and things like that so we were spoiled with the office leads but they weren't always available so we didn't have a lot of control over it so we did oftentimes have to go out and, and knock some doors and try to generate some cold business got it okay and were you a hundred percent commission based or did you have a form of a salary so prior to going full-time in insurance i was 100 percent commission wow so for the first four years i was in the industry um i had a base salary very minimal base salary plus the commission then they switched it to um you had three options you could take a small salary and have commission or if you took 100 percent commission the the max on that was much better so i just went all in you know, my first month when I moved to Florida, um, when I went back to the job I was working, I had a crazy good month and I said, skip it, man, I'm going for the max commission I can get. And it worked out. So I was commissioned, but I had a, I had a company car, uh, an iPad and a phone and mm -hmm. benefits. So I kind of had those things that were still keeping me hooked, you know. Gotcha. So now you get into insurance at FFL two years ago. Uh, power war market, which we're going to talk about. So you knew Gabe um, from high school, right? College, college, college. Yep. So you knew Gabe and Joe and, you know, that whole, mm -hmm. uh, you know, all those killers, all those guys. Um, so yeah. how long did they have to drip on you to get you to to make the move? Not very long, honestly. Um, so Gabe called me probably May of 2020. My son was just born in April. And I was actually kind of, that was a really weird period for me. Obviously COVID had just hit, but I was really in between a lot of decisions that were gonna be really big for my family, um, good or bad. You know, I just had to get those decisions right. We were thinking of maybe moving, different things like that. And so he called me, well, he texted me and he said, hey, Sean, I got this gold mine that I think could work, but I'll call you in a week if it works out. And he just left me hanging just like that all he said so of course i'm sitting here for a week thinking what 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 in the world is this guy talking about so then he calls me and he says hey i found this company i already knew he was in insurance uh with a, another company at the t uh, prior to that i didn't know he joined a new company so he calls me and he's telling me about you know what he does and uh didn't necessarily try to convince me there but he did tell me what his deposits were for mm. one week in my first Thing, my, the first thing I said when I got off the phone was I was like, that is stupid. <laughs> like I was making half of that in a month hmm. and he just did that in a week. And I said, there's no way someone at 28 at, you know, I was 28 at the time or uh, 29, you don't just wake up and do that, uh, in a week. 
and uh, yeah, it was it was really incredible. But I had already tried to do some other business opportunities, and and none of them worked. And so what got my wheels spinning was the fact that obviously that close connection um, was actually doing it well. So long story short, he kept calling me, kept dripping on me. He probably called me three or four times, and every time he's like, "Hey man, how you doing? By the way, I made X amount of money, or I deposited X amount." And, every time I would have it on speaker <laughs> and my wife would overhear. And so she was hearing this whole thing happen for a couple of weeks. And finally, one time he calls and she just runs over on speaker and says, well, how much money did he make this time? <laughs> and uh, so he tells me and I'm like, all right, man, let's do it. And nine days later, I got licensed. Wow. So that's that's great, it. man. I mean, look, at the end of the day, like the, the numbers don't lie. You know what I mean? Like, right now you mentioned you had been looking at other things. So you were, you were trying to find what was better, what was more lucrative, what was going to pay more. What were some of the things that you looked at before making the FFL? Oh move? man, dude, I, I've started hundreds of businesses in my mind. You know, <laughs> when, when we, my wife does not come from an entrepreneurial background. Her dad is a phenomenal guy, but he, he's just worked at the same job for 20 years. I worked like 20 jobs in a year when I was in college, just trying to find the highest bidder kind of thing. And so when we got married, I was in sales and sales is a really, really roller coaster industry. And so that took a lot of adjusting for her to not have that stable paycheck. The money was always there, but it, it was never guaranteed to get that same amount. So she had to adjust to that. So there were lots of times where, man, I'm super excited. I got this business of whatever, you know, home inspections or whatever, just random things. And I, man, I'm driving home. I have this whole thing ready to like start tomorrow. I just don't have any money. And so I'd come home <laughs> and I'd tell her, Hey, I'm going to start this business. And she's, and she was like, okay, she got to the point where she knew it was just an idea, but she had to discern that, you know, really early on. So then, um, I had tried to start a, uh, custom apparel company, probably about a year prior to FFL, put some money into that, fell through, didn't work out. Um, and then actually I was, I had this crazy idea. I was gonna, we have all these uh, massive flea markets here in Florida. And so I got this idea to do custom um, like coffee cups and coffee mugs and, and plant all these like retail shops at all of these um, uh, flea markets. And I had it mapped out how many cups I had to sell to make a profit, how many locations I could put and uh, find someone to manage it. So I had this whole thing mapped out. I still have it in a notebook. I'm never gonna do it, but it was a great idea. And that's when Gabe called me. So I was like, all right, <laughs> done with that one. Let's look at insurance. Wow. So I had, had tons of ideas and I uh, just needed the right vehicle. That's incredible, dude. So now you get going. Um, what were some of the, the good, the bad, the ugly starting out for you? Cause I mean, you know, new agents, they, they wanna like, learn how to play the piano day one. You know what I mean? And like mm -hmm. when you go to play piano, like you're not going to learn it day one. Um, so what were some of the things for you that you had to navigate, the things you did well, the things you needed to work on? Yeah, so my, my first batch of leads, I bought um, 20 Facebook final expense leads. Um, I actually had to put them on a credit card. And so did my first dial day on Sunday. And, and I kid you not, dude, this is me being super vulnerable. I like almost hyperventilated. <laughs> before I dialed my first dial and I was so nervous and I just sat there like losing my stuff and I just had to kind of like shake myself and say, dude, they're not going to bite you. You just have to go do it. 
So I booked like four or five appointments. My first day uh, was a Monday, came home from work. I was still working my sales job, turned around, showered, turned around and went to the field for four hours. So didn't sell anything. It was like 11 o'clock at night, called Gabe. I'm like, hey man, no one bought. Like, and he's like, well, dude, that's how it goes. Like sometimes they don't buy. But I had another appointment the next day, um, showed up. She said, hey, I don't wanna spend more than $80 a month. I said, okay, well, sure. I can, I'm, pr I'm pretty sure I can help you with that. So <laughs> she was healthy enough, got my first uh, sale there. And then I showed back up on Friday to a family that no showed me on Monday, got in the house, didn't realize she had a husband. So I came back in two hours, did a his and hers that day. Um, Thursday, I had sold one over the phone. I, I was just following the system blindly and just resolving every single lead. I had, I had a company vehicle that had a big logo on the side and I went to a store and got a magnet to cover it. I just spray painted it the same color so I could, in between my appointments during the day, I could door knock and they <laughs> didn't know I was from another company. <laughs> so I was just hustling. And then it got to a point where I was too focused on insurance thinking that this was going to be way easier than it, than it actually is thinking, man, I'm going to make $400,000. I don't need to work my day job. So it's all good. And I made $500 in the month of, uh, August combined wow. between both. Like that was my paycheck the whole month because <laughs> I was too torn between the two. And so I, I actually called Gabe and I said, Hey man, I need to take a break. So I actually like stopped selling for a month. And then September comes halfway through September. I'm on the phone with my grandfather telling him about all this debt that I have. And he's like, Sean, you just need to make more money. And that was it. So this is probably the lowest part for me. Um, I was like, all right, I'm going to, I need to put my two weeks in like by the end of next week, this was Friday. That was my deadline. So during that period, I bought some leads, booked them. And I was like, I need to give myself a shot to see what this looks like. So I booked nine appointments between Tuesday and Wednesday, and I needed to quit on Friday. I got no showed, porched and canceled on all nine. Mm. But on Wednesday, I door knocked one unresolved happy agent lead. She told me to come back Friday. I showed up Friday and this is like, this hinged on my whole career essentially showed up. They had seven policies from FFL agents. They had policies of carriers I didn't even know existed <laughs> and I still was able to help them with with some insurance and I, I left and I called Gabe to tell him hey man I'm, I'm thinking of, uh, of of going full-time and he actually told me not to he said dude I don't think you should do this and then I told him like right after that dude I'm, I'm out I'm putting my two weeks in today and that's because I was just so torn with everything and he was trying to look out for me he told me not to do it and I was like dude I'm in let's do it wow so see and here's the key if people listening to this can take one thing this is not about your ability to sell insurance no insurance no products what you experienced and what you just said was about kind of put up or shut up right like you were at that moment where it was either gonna continue to work and you continue to fight another day or you're going to be out of the business, right? Mm -hmm. And we know the statistics. Most people do not make it pretty much for their own doing, right? Like we can safely say the system works for a lot of people. So how did you mentally at that moment, that breaking point, how did you keep yourself mentally focused in the game to make it to the next move to keep yourself alive? Two things. One, I mean, if we're being real, 
it's just people telling you no. Yep. I've been through way worse. You know, I watched my mom work at McDonald's raising five kids. Wow. You know, I remember being 10 years old. I think she made $10,000 a whole year. That's gross. Jeez. So my mind, like, and there's a lot of different things that have happened in my life to where, dude, I just don't quit. I can't. And now, you know, the game changed when I had a daughter and a son. Not even to mention my wife. How was I going to go home and tell my wife that I have this life altering opportunity and I couldn't do it or I quit. And then even when I got full time, what changed was I, I drove two hours away for like two appointments. You know, I was buying like 15 internet leads a week thinking I was going to really do something big. So I drove two hours away and I, of course I didn't help anybody and I'm driving home and I'm thinking I have to go home and look my son and my daughter in the face and tell them that I failed or at least I didn't try hard enough. And dude, that was a game changer for me when I had that moment of, of reconciliation with myself. Mm. I love that because that is what makes people a top producer or not, or an agency owner. It's that moment of truth where you have to come to Jesus and say, all right, what am I, what am I really doing here? And just do it. And it's hard, you know, like nobody ever said, making the kind of money that we make was going to be easy. You know what I mean? Like it's simple. It can be, you know, easier and it gets easier as time goes on, but that's awesome. You know, you had the mentality to grind the whole time. So at what point now, as you're, you know, navigating sales and getting, you know, building that up and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe you're a hall of fame producer last year, I right? Yeah. yeah. So it's awesome. So second year hall of fame producer protects over 400 families. At what point did you say, okay, this is great. I'm selling a little bit. I need to build something and build a business. So pretty early on, um, I at least thought it was a great idea, but it wasn't probably until I would say six months full time that I really actually started putting those pieces into play. Um, I hired my first agent was a good buddy of mine. Um, probably October, like my first week full time, I, I connected with him and said, Hey dude, but he was already getting dripped on by, by lots of other people. And so that cause we were all joining the company. And then, um, I had another good day in the field, probably, um, right on the same time, October, um, with, with my second buddy. And he said, Hey dude, come over for Thanksgiving. Let's talk about it. Got him in the course. He came out of the gate firing pretty quick. Um, but it wasn't probably until convention that I really started. I mean, I called so many people just in between sessions at convention. I came out of convention with 15 people in class. Nice. All warm market. So that, that was that moment for me. Yeah. And, and I, we're going to talk about the warm market cause you guys have done, I mean, I, I don't think you can find any better examples in the company of, of a group collective group that have just built a warm market tree. So what are ways that you communicate to your warm market about what this is? Dude, I think it's, it's social media. I, I, you know, there are, there are other companies I would never join because they have the MLM concept and I don't want to be that person. Yeah. That's why I don't sell friends and family. You know, if someone calls me and says, Hey, I want to buy a policy. Sure. I'll help you, but I'm not going to sell you. 
I'll ask you what you want to help you. I'm not that guy at dinner. They're, they're thinking, Hey, he's going to try to sell me something. Even though I do, I believe in the product. Do, do I know they need this? Yes. Right. It's just really weird to me. Yeah. I'm so with this, it's, it's social media. So when, when we started, we just started blasting out. Now we have the luxury of, of this huge network of people from social media that we all went to school with. And then obviously they have a huge network of people. So that just started spreading like wildfire and it wasn't necessarily, Hey, you know, I'm calling you saying, Hey, dude, you need to do this. It's, Hey man, here, here's how this opportunity could help fit into your lifestyle and your goals, whether you want to do it full time or whether you're a pastor or you're doing something else. And this can help you get to whatever you're trying to do and enable you to do it better and faster. This can fit. So I think it's a, so we're, we're really good at, providing solutions for people who are looking for something else yeah and ffl can fit so many different people that's incredible so now you got your office now what are you coming up on 10 months maybe something like that no so i, I had another office before this but we did our oh, okay. grand opening here in uh april april mm-hmm. got it april seems like 10 months ago to me because the way these months go yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. um so so you you go all in you go in an office um i'm assuming you have some staff mm-hmm. what's your staff structure look like so we have uh our, our agency has two full-time recruiters we have an agent success coach we have uh, a contracting manager uh three virtual assistants um yeah, I don't think I missed anybody. And, and, and we, we split an agent liaison with another agency. Got it. Okay. So you're not afraid to spend money on your business. Would that be safe to say? No. Yeah, that's very safe. I, so here, here's what it is. I actually am I'm very terrible with my money. And <laughs> I like to spend it. And so I had this moment where I realized, okay, I can kind of hijack that. Yeah. I don't want to change my habits. I just need to redirect my habits right so i said instead of spending as much money on stuff i don't need let's spend more money on stuff that's actually going to help me later i'm still getting that same feeling of spending the money it's just actually paying me back later so uh so no definitely not afraid to invest in my my business and you know it's so crucial because like a lot of people they want to grow they want to be an integrity partner which i'm assuming you want to be one Mm -hmm. um They want, they want, they want, but then they don't have the faith. They have the fear and they don't actually put their money where their mouth is. And that's Mm -hmm. not been a problem for you. Um, no, as a whole, no. Um, I think it just comes with belief level. It's same thing with, with buying leads and production. Um, I, I just really plugged into people who were just even just barely ahead of me. Because you don't go from, you know, for me, most people I see don't go from zero to 100. They go from zero to 20, and yeah. then from 20 to 40, and then 40 to 50, right? So remember, even with leads, I was spending out of the gate full time about 700 bucks a week. And Caleb said, hey, man, I'm writing this. You're writing this. I'm spending this. You're spending this. Well, dude, it's just math. It makes sense. He wasn't any better than me. He was just spending more and investing more. So I upped it, and lo and behold... I'm writing more business. So I kind of took those patterns and, and just started moving that just across the board with my production, with my agency, looking back at, I need to put this many people in class to have this many hired. And, and it's just math. That's the big thing 
it's math. And so you have to talk with someone who's very good at math so they can just show you, dude, it's very simple. Like you said in the beginning, it's, this business is, it, it's a lot of work, but it's very simple. And, and building an agency, you can kind of take it and, and relate it to the in-home process, structure, short-term goals, and, and investing into conversations. Yeah, I love that strategy. Now, you mentioned social media, which we obviously know is huge. What are some of your best strategies? Do you have somebody that helps you with social media? Um, how do you attack it to really grow, we'll say, the cold market? Got it. So um, on the on the warm market side, for my personal social media, I did hire someone to help manage the strategy, content production. But I try to be active on there, um, responding to people, commenting. Um, I do reach out to people on social media. Um, you know, what I'm what I like to do is is just have people watch. And I realize there's more people watching us than we realize. They're not mm. always going to reach out. Yes. And eventually over time, when you try to relate to enough people, I don't always try to get on social media and talk about the money that we make. I also try to connect how this opportunity can fit other lifestyles. Mm. And so I just want to find that person who goes, oh, man, you said this, that's that that fits me. They reach out. We have a conversation and now they're selling insurance. And so on the cold market side, yeah, I mean, we just, you know, we have lead sources um, where we get resumes and things like that. We just have these recruiters just just pound the phones. You know, we have some call tools set up and, you know, maybe they've used different sources like that. And then also um, we now have incorporated some virtual assistants helping our recruiters also book appointments. So that's been a good strategy for us that's worked. Love it, man. So leave us with this. This has been uh, incredible and it's great, you know, seeing your journey and knowing you and you're a great guy and just all the things that you guys are doing. I love it. Um, for someone new like you are coming from the sales background, why should someone leave pest control, auto sales, car sales, hell, other insurance sales to join FFL and what we're doing here. The ability to control things, that was huge for me. Um, my income, my time, you know, I could dictate all of that. And most salespeople, they're, they're hard workers and they have a lot of energy. And if you can take that and insert it into this with the level of income that we can make, dude, it's game over. And so if someone wants to control their time and their and, and their resources and be able to dictate that, this is the place to be. This is the perfect opportunity for that. Love that, man. Well, anything that we can do for you, we'd love to. We'll have to uh, collaborate and do like a live one of these at either up there or down here. I'd love to come up there and check out your office. I hear it's pretty awesome. Um, and just appreciate you. It's incredible what you guys are doing, and it's very inspiring. Appreciate that, man. I'm watching you, bro. I'm, I'm going to catch you one of these years. Yeah, man. No, please, please. I, I, I'll have the belt warm for you. Don't worry. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. All right, guys. See you next week. That's the motto. Mm -hmm. Throw back with no chaser, with no trouble. Mm -hmm. Up in that moment, baby, let's make some more.